You can now take KRBN Internet News Talk Radio with you on your mobile phone as we are making it easier to listen to the great hosts here on KRBN, including our very own West Lane County Commissioner, Jay Bozovich. It's free and available on Google Play. Just look for player.fm. That's player.fm and search for KRBN. Live from Lane County, Oregon, it's the Bo's Nose Show with your host, West Lane County Commissioner, Jay Goldsevich. And now, here's Jay. And good afternoon and welcome to another edition of the Bo's Nose Show. And I'm your host, West Lane County Commissioner Jay Bozovich, and we're coming to you live from beautiful downtown Elmira, Oregon. And I'm flying my Timber Unity colors today because we've got a special guest on today's show, Mike Pill, who is the board president of the Timber Unity Association. Mike, welcome to the Bo's Nose Show. I'm very happy to be here and happy to be a member of the Timber Unity family. Excellent. So for those folks that may not be completely aware of what all those bumper stickers, and I've got one on the back glass of my uh, Ford Expedition uh, that says, you know, hashtag Timber Unity. Uh, Of course, for me, it's always been a pound sign, but (laughs) nowadays it's a hashtag. Um, Hashtag Timber Unity. Uh, What is Timber Unity? So Timber Unity, uh, we're all about Working Oregonians, uh, you know, we're trying to protect our rights to work. Originally, it was a cap and trade 2020 when they were trying to shut down the forest and selling uh, the carbon credits for money and letting the big polluters keep polluting, shutting basically all of us loggers and mills down, which are the backbone. And, you know, we already do a great job of managing these carbon-eating machines, which are fir trees. And, you know, they would have basically, you know, shut down the forest, closed up the roads, and everything would be burning worse than it is now. Yep. Not to mention what it would have also done to fuel prices here in Oregon. And that's one of the reasons why the farmers and, and many other parts of the construction and resource industries got together as part of Timber Unity to fight that bill because – that um, fuel increase, you know, farms run on fuel. Um, so we know pretty difficult thing for them to deal with. But now Timber Unity started out as kind of a political action group, but now there's this Timber Unity Association. Um, can you kind of describe the, the difference between Timber Unity PAC and Timber Unity Association? So Timber Unity PAC, you know, that's uh, supporting our candidates who have the same beliefs as we do, which are good, strong beliefs, you know, the way the pioneers started Oregon. We still have those beliefs. And then the association, you know, we're all about helping people out. Uh, You know, a good instance, you know, we had that rally. As far as I know, it was the biggest rally in Oregon State history. And we go down there, we have rallies and not riots. We have cleanup crews. We treat everybody respectively. Uh, We don't burn down buildings. We don't throw up graffiti. And when somebody is in need, we are right there to help out. Uh, You know, like we had the fires last year that burn up all the 
canyons, basically a million acres of timber, and then all the people up there couldn't feed their livestock. So one of our first big deals was that big hay drive that we had and took hay up to the people who didn't have any so they could feed their livestock, and that's what we're all about. And then we started the Fire Relief Fund, which is basically the same thing, helping out people who need it. Yeah, and, and recently, um, you know, that's been in the news here in Lane County. Um, uh, KZI, I think, ran a story, and I've seen, seen some others, where you guys actually um, helped provide some funds and some tools, I believe, to fire victims for some of their rebuilding from your fire fund. Um, and that's still an ongoing effort, isn't it? Yes, we have a uh, fire relief fund, which Tasha Webb was is instrumental in making all that happen. And she works tirelessly on that, and she is amazing, and she's obviously a Timber Unity board member. And thank goodness she's there because she does a great job at that. And, and I understand that there's a, still a GoFundMe um, page up for that, that fire relief fund. Um, and, Mike, for those folks that are watching on Facebook Live and other video do you want to introduce your right-hand woman there, and and maybe uh, Jen can can tell us uh, a little bit about the GoFundMe page? Yep, I'd be happy to. So this is Jen Rao. She works here at the office. She is my right-hand woman. And actually, if it wasn't for her, I can tell you right now, I would not be as informed about Timber Unity as I am. And actually, she's very instrumental. So yep, Jen Rao. Awesome. Thank you. Uh, yeah, so the fire fund, Tasha Webb, uh, Timber Unity board member, like Mike said, heads that up. And uh, this year, we she has gone with the idea of distributing blue barrels all around the state of Oregon for donations with um, with a specific donation needs list because we learned a lot from last year's fire victims what they actually needed when they were displaced. Um, the GoFundMe donations, like we still have going, it's the TimberUnity-Fires-Release-Fund page. Um, that actually helps put tools in the tool libraries to rebuild the communities after all the devastating fires take them out. Um, yeah, last year we provided generators, uh, cell phone chargers, all those types of things. So if you see a blue bin around, definitely see what's needed and help out with it. Great. So, yeah, and now you guys have a new effort going, um, and, you know, folks are pretty aware of the severe drought we're in here in Oregon. You know, we have the bootleg fire that's the largest fire in the nation, over 200,000 uh, acres burning right now. And um, as part of that extreme drought, um, the Klamath Basin farmers have, have been cut off from some of their irrigation supply, and you guys have got an, an effort to help them too now um, as kind of a, the resource folks helping resource folks. Talk a little bit about your hay drive and the hay convoy coming up. So luckily that was spearheaded by Angelita Sanchez, and then uh, she talked to, we call him Farmer Fred, but it's Fred Simon there in Klamath Falls. He was a past board member of Timber Unity, but he got so busy, he had to go a different route, but he was amazing being a board member. But uh, Jen can basically give the times of where we're gonna meet and get that rolling, which will be on the 24th of July. Go ahead, Jen. 
So I actually talked to Farmer Fred, and for those that don't know, Farmer Fred is the one who parks his truck in front of the Capitol with the huge blue tarp that everybody signs every time. Uh, so I talked to him today, and what they actually need is almost 50 tons of hay uh, because of all the devastating fires that happened last year and the government getting their water rights taken away from the government. Um, they can't they can't harvest their land like they normally do, so all of their cattle right now and livestock are eating uh, hay that they would be feeding them this come this winter time. So they're going through all this hay that they don't have to replace. And so that's when Angelita Sanchez said, "All right, let's let's come up with a hay for hope drive." And so we're going to convoy down there July 24th. Um, down I-5, hoping to all meet, uh, first off, from where we're from, up here in Vernonia, we want to meet at the Highway 26 scales at 5.30, 6 o'clock in the morning and take off all the way down and head down to Roseburg, hope to pick up more people along the convoy at the Love's Truck Stop and leaving the Love's Truck Stop at 10.15 to be at Farmer Fred's house by 2.30 with all these trucks and trailers full of hay. That is just awesome. Um, I, you know, I know we've, you've got to go fund me for the fire because there's going to be people that are going to want to help with this that, you know, watch the show or listen to the show um, that aren't necessarily hay farmers or have a source of hay or, or even a truck or whatever to, to join a convoy. Um, you know, if they help with the fire fund uh, financially, you know, they can understand that's sort of, you know, helping with the, the, the hay drive in, in other ways. So there's kind of two ways people can help. If they, if they have hay, they can, you know, figure out a way to get it into the convoy. Um, and then the, the secondary thing is just, you know, cash contributions into the fire fund um, are very helpful. So, and I do have an address here. We'll also post it on the Timber Unity Facebook page. But if you want to send a check, it goes to Timber Unity Association, Post Office Box 3010, Newburgh, Oregon, 97132. And again, we'll post that on the uh, Timber Unity Facebook page. That was P.O. Box 3010, Newburgh, Oregon, 97132. One three seven. Uh, nine seven one three two. One three two. Sorry. Yeah. I, my, and also, all those, all those farmers down there at Klamath Falls, you cannot believe how much good quality hay they brought to all the people who got burnt out up the drainages. I mean, top quality hay. They were extremely giving, and now it's time to help them back. I mean, they're they're amazing people. They're just good strong, hard-working, rural Oregonians like the rest of us. Yeah. Well, that's good to know. I just want to mention if uh, somebody is sending a check, um, be sure in the memo memo of the check to write Hay for Hope. That way we know exactly where to distribute the funds to. Great. Yeah, that's really important because, you know, they they get checks for the – for the political action committee, and we don't want to accidentally take a check that's meant for this charitable work to go to, to politics. Um, yeah. So, right. yeah. So that's probably the, 
you know, for most people out there, you know, I don't have it. I only have it at acre and a third, so I don't exactly grow hay. Got some blueberries and apples and, and, and plums and, you know, a few other things and tomatoes. <laughs> no hay. Um, so, you know, sending a check to that uh, Timber Unity Association at that P.O. Box 3010, Newburgh, Oregon, 97132. And in the memo, put Hay for Hope, uh, and that'll help fund this project and help those farmers down in the Klamath Basin who have been put in a really bad way by both Mother Nature and the U.S. government. And and that's just uh, sometimes that happens. And as farmers have been very generous to other farmers in the past. Um, so I, I hope folks can, can do that. And, I, you know, I, I forgot to mention at the beginning of the show um, what our phone number is, just to remind people, because we are a call-in show. And, and, you know, Mike, you're sort of a celebrity. That's so true. there may be some people that might want to call in just to, to, to say hello to you or to, to ask you a question about Axemen. Because <laughs> That's probably where you where where you got your fame. And, and if you want to call into the show, the number is 646-721-9887. And don't forget to press 1 because that's let let's Robin, my right-hand woman and call screener extraordinaire, know that you want to get in on the show because we do have people that call that number just to listen to the show because they're not near a computer. And you can listen live just by calling in on your cell phone and especially if you have hands free in your car or in your log truck, um, you can be listening to the show. And when you're not getting close enough, you got to call out mile markers. Uh. Also, yep. I'll throw something in. Uh, you know, all of us people at Timber Unity, the board, the members, I mean, we're all volunteers, but this is such a strong cause. And, you know, do I have time to be doing all this? No, but it's such a worthy cause. And, you know, I love Oregon. Uh, somehow or another, we're going to get through this. And, you know, we're givers. We're not takers. But when people, you know, really, really need it, like the farmers, the fire victims, we're right there in a, in a heartbeat. And this is the way, you know, true Oregonians work. This is the way it's supposed to be. You know, if we identify somebody in need, we're right there. Yeah, and we see it all the time. Uh, whether it was, you know, down here, we had snowmageddon a couple of years ago where we had that heavy, wet snow that just took out just about every tree and actually isolated the, the town of Oak Ridge on Highway 58. Um, you know, folks that knew how to fell trees and get them out of the way stepped in and, and helped us reach people that we couldn't get to. And, and uh, people with four-wheel drives just, you know, volunteered and stepped in and just that seems to be kind of the Oregon way. We, we step up and try and help people out. And I think this is really um, what you're seeing with Timber Unity. And, yeah, and which, which reminds me also, I forgot about it because we do so much donating. You know, when everybody lost their power, we did truckload after truckload after truckload of firewood, taking it to certain centers, taking it. We took some to Oregon City and everybody kind of had a free-for-all for it. But, yeah, we did that, too, because, I mean, they were out of power for a long time this last winter. Yeah, during the ice storm up there in Portland. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, it, and, and that's the way it should be. It shouldn't have to wait for FEMA to come in, which yeah. I know that takes time. And by the time, you know, they're still trying to 
put up housing in in the Holiday Farm fire area. They finally you know, negotiated where. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. So, so it's like waiting. You know, how many? How long ago was the Holiday Farm fire? You know, labor last Labor Day, and they're just now starting to to construct some housing up up river yep. there. Um, so, you know, waiting for FEMA is not always going to be the way things happen, and and uh, our our neighbors helping neighbors and timber unity is part of that. And it's really kind of, you know, it, it's fascinating how timber unity actually got started. Um, it, Cause it wasn't really somebody from the outside that, that, that said, Hey, let's put a group together, you know, or something that was very organic, wasn't it? Uh, I, I, you, know, you, you were, you guys have been involved for quite a long time. Yeah. I got involved about, you know, a couple of weeks after it got started, and I said, I'd be happy to be spokesman. And then about four minutes later, I was president. <laughs> yeah, but that's yeah. all right. It's all a good thing. And, you know, I'm very proud to be a member of it. And, you know, a lot of times a group like this is a flash in a pan and they go goodbye. I'm, but also, you know, there's a lot of pressure. You know, a lot of times, you know, we'd have board of directors meeting. and it gets, It's so deep. It's unbelievable that, you know, the pressure's really on, and at times it's like, oh, my gosh, I can't take this anymore. You know, i got to go spend – got to go see what my place looks like in the daylight or see what my kids look like. But, you know, people come up to, and thank us. You know, I'll take one good strong handshake, and I'm right back on board, and I'm happy to do it. And all of us board of directors, I believe, feel exactly the same way. And Jen. Yeah. And Jen, yeah. Oh. So let's let's just kind of go back over a few things just to make sure my audience understands and is aware. And of course, if anyone wants to call and they have a question about Timber Unity, um, feel free and don't forget to press one so Robin, my call screener, knows you want to actually talk on the show. Um, but so you have two separate current charitable efforts going on. One is to help fire victims, and that's just, you know, the blue barrels and tools, um, and there's the GoFundMe page, and then you've got this Hay for Hope drive going, and that that people can send checks directly to Timber Unity Association, you know, payable to Timber Unity Association, to P.O. Box 3010, Newburgh, Oregon, 97132. Or if they want to join the convoy on the 24th with hay um, and being prepared to drive over to the Klamath Basin to Farmer Fred's and follow everybody there, they can meet you guys on the scales there uh, on Highway 26, Sunset Highway there at 6 a.m. if they're up in that area, or they can kind of work their way to Roseburg um, to the truck stop, and I can't remember the name of the truck stop. Love truck stop. <laughs> Okay. I just want to make sure. And we'll be on CB Channel 17. Yeah. Ah, there you go. So. And let's just, let's just make note, um, even if you can't join the convoy, if you don't have money to donate, if you don't have hay, you don't have a truck and trailer, uh, we enjoy seeing people on the side of the road uh, holding up their Timber Unity signs, just waving, holding up American flags, just knowing that they're supporting us and this is what they can do. Yeah, so maybe the pedestrian overpass between Eugene and Springfield there, folks might be able to time it to see the convoy go by. So if they can kind of get out their uh, Google Maps and see how long it takes to get from uh, 
Vernonia to, to Springfield, they could probably estimate when you'd be coming by. It's be yep. sometime between six and ten. <laughs> yeah. But you know, if they want to get down to Love's truck stop and 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 give you some support there, if they're in the Roseburg area, um, yeah, it, it it's just a, a good thing you all are doing. Um, yeah, I've been impressed. I've I've got involved with grassroots groups um, multiple times, um, and I've seen them start and wane. And you guys have really held strong the whole time, and uh, are doing a great job. Uh, and I, I just want to commend you on that. And I think we've got somebody that actually has a question for you. So I'm going to bring, right. going to bring Peggy on. You have a question for Hello. Mike? Well, no, because I know most of the answers already. But um, thank you, Jay, for, for letting us come and invade your show. Oh, no problem. Is this Peggy Rush, I take it, then? It is Peggy Rush, yes. Hey, I was just going to say, um, the Love's Truck Stop, we're not talking about the one in Albany. We're talking about the one on exit 119, Winston. So so there's Winston. no confusion and people waiting in Albany. Okay. Because we Great. do have Thank that second for... Love's now. Thank you for getting that straight. I'm sure, you know, between now and the 24th, if you have um, information you're looking for, Join the uh, Timber Unity Facebook page. You know, get, go there and, and look for information there. I'm sure it's on the Timber Unity um, events page, which is their public, you know, public facing page. Um, you know, it's a great group to become join, involved. Join with. our join our private group. Love yeah. to have more Timber Unity members that think the same way that we do. Yep, you just have to be willing to support hardworking Oregonians. And, and you know, Mike and I were talking a little bit before the, the, the show got started um, just about how hard loggers work. And, and believe me, I know how hard farmers work. One of my one of my first summer jobs where I actually got a paycheck, not not just handed cash, you know, like mowing lawns or, or having to go around and collect for a newspaper route. Um, I bucked hay side on a side farm one summer. <laughs> On the East Coast in Maryland. So you can imagine the heat and humidity and, and, and the dirt coming off the sod. And they not only did regular lawn sod, they also did zoysia blocks. You know, zoysia grass. I don't know if you guys know what that is. It's It's got to be the dustiest, dirtiest stuff to deal with. So, so I know what it's like to be head to, head to toe dust by the end of the, the day and starting out at, at, at just at dawn because you're trying to get done before the heat of the day. But I do remember trying to bring hay in one time before um, rain was predicted. So we were we you know started the crack at dawn and, and we're still bucking it in, in the dark up in a up in a barn and we brought a thermometer up to the top of the barn. It was 115 where I was I, I was the guy at the top. <laughs> Doing the final stacking. So, so um, yeah. So I, I, you guys, there's some hard work that goes on uh, for these people, the the loggers, the farmers. But it's also where your house comes from, where the food on your table comes from. These are the people that you know. That you know, you talk about the aggregate industry that's involved. Uh, you know, where your roads come from. Um, this is what you know keeps your life running these folks so if you're willing to support these folks join timber unity 
that you know, if you're really supportive of, of keeping these industries going that are so vital vital to our country, as as you know, one only has to look at timber prices if go to, go down to, to to your local Lowe's or something like that um, <laughs> to understand how how critical this industry is, and when when the supply chain gets interrupted just for a little while how crazy the prices can go um, and, and are still are finally starting to recover a little bit. Yeah. Two, two by four, eight foots are now down below $10. <laughs> Thank goodness. Yeah. Um, so, so Peggy, anything else that you want to remind folks of now we have, have, have wanted, you on? I just wanted to let you know, about an hour ago, Tasha posted up location sites where our blue barrels are sitting. And, and as soon as I get off of here, I will go and pin those up to the top of the private page, and I'll share it with the events page. Great, great. And those blue barrels are where people can donate items for the fire victims? Yes. Emergency yeah, we have a, we have a... a list, yes. I'm finishing yeah, your sentence, Jen. <laughs> yeah, we have a specific list of things that are needed, and that is also posted. I'm sure Peggy will include it in the post of the items that we're looking for for the victims. Right, and that was based Absolutely. on what the fire victims. That's based on what the fire victims told you they needed, not what you're guessing they needed. Exactly. It, it, yeah, and, it, it, and it's kind of. It's kind of based on what we learned from last year as to what their immediate needs were. You know, some of them were running around with with no shampoo or conditioner or a hairbrush. You know, they left it all behind. Yeah. Yeah. It, unless you've had that kind of loss, you don't realize the things you need to rebuild your life. Um, and so they, those victims know best what they need. So that's great you guys have gone to them to, to develop that list. So some really great ways you can support your community there through Timber Unity. Um, and, you know, what a great group you all are and, and how successful you've been as a grassroots group. Um, can't say enough about the good work you do. Obviously a supporter. I was there in Salem that day, by the way. Got up there at 5 a.m. just to make sure I could have a parking space. <laughs> every picture I in. see you in, Jay, every picture I see you in, you have on your Timber Unity hat. So yeah, I'm pleased. <laughs> my favorite hat now. It's kind of displaced my duck hat. Which I guess, you know, some, some of the ag side, I really probably should be a beaver fan, particularly because I went to a land-grant college. I'm, I'm an East Coast transplant, so I went to the University of Maryland, which is basically this very similar to OSU. It's got all the ag and engineering programs there. So I'm um, a duck. So, well, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, living in Eugene, that's how I became a duck fan before I became a, a, a beaver fan. Much to K. King and King Logging folks' chagrin. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so anything else we haven't covered? Because I, I know that, you know, Mike's probably been up since O-Dark 30, um, and, you, you know, you folks in the logging industry, I want to let you go, and I can move on to other topics here on the Bose No Show. 
Anything else we haven't covered or anything else you want to talk about while we've got you? So basically, we also need to count our blessings. You know, we are so fortunate we are able to help out. You know, we're very thankful for that. So, you know, we're helping people out, but also in the meantime, count our blessings. And thank goodness we live in a the most beautiful state, I think, that we that we can live in the state of Oregon. We have all four seasons here. Yep. Yeah. Well, I thought it was only two. I thought it was winter and construction. Um, oh, that's true. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I tell you, that, it, that's kind of a personal joke with me because my background is a civil engineer. And so, yeah, there's basically winter and construction season for my, my job. <laughs> We'd spend all winter getting stuff designed and ready to be constructed and spend all summer putting stuff in the ground. <laughs> so, um, yeah, but no, it's a beautiful place. Um, my wife and I actually did almost a nationwide search and we chose to move to Oregon after that nationwide search. So, yeah, I, I can't disagree with you. I'm an Oregonian by choice, not, not native. <laughs> so, yeah, it is a very beautiful place. And uh, I want to thank you, Mike and Jen, for joining the Bose Nose Show, and Peggy also. Um, you know, folks, uh, think about supporting Timber Unity, either their fire fund or, you know, get a check into them for this Hay for Hope drive. If you are a hay farmer here in the Willamette Valley and, and want to, or somewhere outside the Klamath Basin and want to help those Klamath Basin farmers, considering joining the uh the convoy or just you know find out through timber unity if you can't make the convoy how you might be able to get some hay to farmer fred to be distributed there in the klamath basin so thank you again mike and jen uh, we'll let you get going and thank you peggy and we'll probably move on to some other topics here on the bose nose show as we uh talk about things fire related and maybe a little transportation infrastructure bill stuff so See you guys later. Go ahead. We'll talk to you. Thank you. So that kind of wraps up our Timber Unity segment here on the Bose Nose Show. We're going to be moving on to other topics, which I'll remind folks we are a call-in show, just like Peggy Rush got in here kind of to, to, to get her two cents in and, and remind us of some other issues with Timber Unity. It's 646 646- 721-9887. Just press one and that lets Robin, my call screener and producer extraordinaire, know you want to get in on the show. And it's 646-721-9887. And just press one and that lets us know you want to get in on the show. And we'll talk about anything you want to talk about. If you want to talk about some of the Timber Unity stuff, we can. Or we can talk about some of the other things I want to talk about. And I want to talk a little bit about the fires and building permits because, you know, I, I've kind of gotten a little bit of back and forth with one of my fellow commissioners here recently um, because I got a little angry and upset at the fact that I couldn't get our board when we met right after the governor finally signed House Bill 2289 and mind you, House Bill 2289 had an emergency clause. So the moment the governor signed it, it was law. And, and uh, she, 
she took two and a half weeks to sign it, so we knew it was coming. It had been approved by by both sides of the state legislature, the, the House and the Senate, by overwhelming margins, over 90% yes votes on both the House and the Senate. So you knew it was veto-proof. You knew the governor was eventually going to sign it because, you know, it, it was a fire relief bill, basically. And what that bill did was enable counties to skip all the land use planning stuff for somebody that wanted to rebuild their residential home that lost it to the, the, the Labor Day fires here in Oregon in the seven counties that were impacted. Because those land use issues, you know, having somebody go back to, oh, you've got to prove you can, you're allowed to even have a house on your property when, you, when it was burnt down by a fire before you can rebuild it, was kind of onerous. Um, and, and it was a place a lot of people were stuck in at the time that bill passed. And when we had the board meeting uh, the day after the governor signed the bill, I asked our board to provide policy direction, which is really what our board of commissioners does is sets policy. It doesn't actually execute day-to-day, you know, activities. But what I wanted the board to do was provide policy direction to our staff in the department that would be responsible for it, for administering, helping people qualify under that new bill and skipping the planning process. That I wanted board policy direction to take the most liberal view possible on qualifying and the most permissible stance on interpreting the bill. So that, you know, liberal and permissive was the the, the two key words. But somehow or another, my fellow commissioner, Buck, got upset that I was angry that that folks talked at that. I basically put something up that, you know, on my Facebook page, it said the governor finally signed House Bill 2289 that will waive planning approvals for folks that lost a residence due to the holiday farm fire. I asked the board to provide policy direction to our staff to take the most liberal interpretation of legislation and make it easy for fire victims to skip the planning process. Heather Buck and the rest of the progressive majority balked, which is visible on video of that tape, they, they all chose not to support me. Commissioner Farr was willing to support me, but the three progressives would not. They balked at providing that guidance. So she basically put up a post that says, my fellow commissioners and I reaffirmed our support for House Bill 2289, a bill in the legislature, which was incorrect. It wasn't in the legislature. It was signed by the governor with emergency clause, so it was effective that will waive red tape for East Lane County families who are rebuilding after being displaced by last summer's wildfires. I strongly believe that local government should be a partner and not an obstacle for families who have suffered unthinkable losses following natural disasters. Well, I guess if she believes that, she probably shouldn't have voted for the new floodplain ordinance that actually put another obstacle in the way of those folks, but we'll get to that later. Unfortunately, one of my conservative colleagues has chosen to use this as an opportunity to politicize this issue and misrepresent the views of his fellow commissioners. I'm sorry. What did I misrepresent? I asked for board direction to staff 
to be liberal and permissive in the interpretation of this this bill. And she refused to do that. It's on tape. What did I misrepresent about that, Heather? So, you know, after that, the board finally said, okay, we want a report from staff and we want to report back on, on, on the legislation. And the soonest we can do that is going to be four weeks from that board meeting. So yesterday was the four-week moment where we finally got a report back from staff. And it's kind of interesting because I think staff was listening into that meeting and they basically analyzed the bill and then took some of the most liberal interpretations of it because I think they understood that that was where I was going to push things in this meeting. Um, and they, so I, I commend staff for at least, you know, taking the temperature of the room and, and, and reading it correctly. But still, it's four weeks later after the governor sat on the bill for two and a half weeks. So that's six and a half weeks of inaction. And one of the things I was really curious about was, so understanding that, where is Lane County in getting permits out for fire victims compared to some of the other counties? So I contacted fellow commissioners in three other counties, and I got responses back from two of them that were with enough information to do a comparison. So I, I have data from Marion County and Douglas County on where they sit providing building permits for fire victims. And then I also have very clear data on where Lane County sits. And it's not good. So Douglas County, who, by the way, very similar to Lane County, is, is heavily timber-dependent county for resources, very low permanent tax rate, suffering all the, the problems budget-wise that Lane County is, has issued 45 building permits and, and completed the planning process and has nobody waiting in line to get a permit right now. Everybody that's asked for a permit to rebuild has gotten one there. And that's 45 out of the 171 lot residences lost, or 26% have gotten approval to start construction on, on rebuilding their homes and are in the process of rebuilding their homes. Marion County has issued 190 building permits out of the 697 homes that, that were needing to be repaired or replaced, or 27%. But, you know, Marion County is a little bit different than Douglas and Lane. Douglas and Lane, everybody that lost a home in Douglas and Lane were in unincorporated areas of the county. They don't have a municipal jurisdiction over top of them. Marion County on, on the other side actually had three incorporated cities that were impacted by their fire. So if you only look at Marion County's non-fire, you know, non-incorporated areas, they've issued 112 permits out of the 279 unincorporated homes lost, or 40%. So there's, you know, different ways of looking at it. Now, juxtapose that with Lane County. 
Now, mind you, the Douglas and Marion County data I got was as of last week. And Lane County's was actually as of Tuesday. And, and they had actually added four permits approved since last week. 92 permits issued out of 493 homes that need to be replaced up there, 19%. 26, 27%, or maybe even 40% if you only look at unincorporated, versus 19%. That's not, you know, adequate when I when I think about it. And and what I really one of the things I really wanted to get to was how many people are still stuck in the planning process that we haven't been you know that we haven't been able to move out of the planning process and all that. And how many people have really how many people have actually tried to get a building permit and are somewhere either in the building permit process or the planning process. And the number I got was basically two hundred and twenty five that would like to get a permit to reconstruct their home and are somewhere stuck in Lane County's process. So we've issued 92 permits out of 225 people that have started the process in some way, or 41%. Douglas County has issued 100% of their permits. We need to be doing better. Now, hopefully, now that we've gotten things clarified and straight about House Bill 2289, we'll be able to jump a bunch of those people because, you know, 101 of those people are in the building permit process and 124 are still in the planning process. We'll be able to jump those 124 in the building permit process soon and get those permits issued. And we are hiring additional staff, so maybe we'll catch up. But... You know, we were one of the last counties to waive permit fees for fire victims. In fact, I think we were the last county. And we did that back on April 7th. There's still people that haven't gotten that paid permit fees prior to April 7th that haven't gotten refunds from Lane County. So when Somebody talks about wanting local government to be a partner and not an obstacle. Maybe they shouldn't have voted for a floodplain ordinance that created additional work for um, folks applying for permits up there and sent them into some additional work there. And maybe they should have been willing to supply you know, direction four weeks ago about House Bill 2289. And maybe we should have voted to waive fees a little bit sooner than we did. I mean, right now, I have no control over board agendas. When things come up, that's all in the hands of the majority of the board right now. So, as we look at Lane County lagging behind in permits compared to other counties, think about the leadership right now in Lane County and who's in control. Little Douglas County, 
100%. No one on the waiting list. Who controls their board? So just wanted to talk to, to walk through that a little bit for folks because that's, to me, almost shameful. And I'm, I'm hoping we get better. And I expect us to get better. It's been one of my biggest disappointments of being a county commissioner is that I just can't seem to get our permit department to be faster, better, more efficient. I mean, we have core behaviors that we expect from our employees and we expect them to be focused on solutions. It seems like we're more like focused on, on red tape for some reason in that particular department at times. I really hope that resolves and we get better. But I can't not talk today a little bit about the Invest in America Act because we've got the transportation secretary whose only prior experience to being transportation secretary was being mayor of a small town that he couldn't fix the potholes in. Mayor Pete, Secretary Buttigieg, is here in Lane County. And at lunchtime, he went down to LTD to meet with Senator Peter, I mean, Representative Peter DeFazio and, you know, the mayor of Eugene, and they were all going to go on an electric bus ride. Woohoo! Isn't that great? Folks to understand that for every 100 miles people travel in a car in this country, there's less than one mile people travel by mass transit. Commuter rail, white rail, bus rapid transit, bus systems, I don't, you know, mass transit, subways, account for 2.5% of the total trips in the U.S. So you would think that maybe this Invest in America Act might actually, you know, be about 97%, 97.5% would be for roads, highways, and things like that that, that get cars to and from. And maybe two and a half percent would be, you know, subsidies to bus and, and, and commuter rail, et cetera. You would be wrong. $165 billion goes to those mass transit stuff and only and $310 billion to standard highways and all that, which, by the way, a lot of, you know, the, the highway road stuff does support mass transit. Because, you know, buses have to run on a road. Maybe it doesn't support, like, you know, the passenger rail or light rail. But, you know, so some of that $319 billion is actually, you know, also mass transit. But we won't, even if you don't look at that, third of the money going to mass transit for 2.5% of our transportation system. I think that's a little weighted in that direction. You know, I, I, I've talked about this on the Bose Nose show before. We need a infrastructure bill that is just standard infrastructure without an agenda. 
And what this Invest in America thing is about is about pushing an agenda. And mind you, you know, that 2.5% trip number I gave you, that was before the pandemic. How many people do you think are riding buses now once we determine that one of the biggest spreaders of COVID-19 was our mass transit systems? Particularly, that's one of the reasons why New York City got hit so damn hard. That and the fact that the governor was sending people to recover in old nursing homes, but that's a whole different story. Um, but we just need a clean infrastructure bill that funds what we define as infrastructure that everyday normal people do. And infra means under. So it's under structures of our economy. Water, sewer, transportation, energy. But you know, this bill also includes subsidies for electric vehicles, which I didn't know the actual vehicles were part of the infrastructure. It also includes subsidizing putting in electric vehicle charging stations. And, you know, no one had to subsidize putting in gas stations to encourage people to drive the automobile. People put them up because they could make money putting them in. So, where, you know, why do we have to have the government step in to build charging stations? Why aren't utilities putting them in? <laughs> the electric utilities, because they know they'll make money off of them. Don't get me started on the whole imbalancing our grid and, and other issues as folks in California are quickly realizing that maybe there's not enough energy in the grid right now because they're being asked to cut back. In fact, they're even being asked not to charge their vehicles on the weekends right now in California. But this Invest in America bill is going to try and push people towards electric vehicles. Robin, are you trying to jump in? I was just going to say my favorite picture was one of an electric car uh, hooked up to a charging station that's being powered by a diesel generator. Yeah, I've seen that picture. <laughs> it made it around the web. Yeah, that's the one thing it always just, yeah. Don't get me started on, on I love it when they, it, 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 one of my big pet peeves, and I used to, to get on, on the folks at El Rafa about this, because they would describe uh, an electric vehicle as a no, uh, zero emission. I'm like, it's not zero emission. There's no such thing as a zero emission vehicle. That electricity to, to generate it, somewhere there's emissions involved in that. Everything that went into building that vehicle took emissions to build whether it was mining the lithium for the batteries to smelting the metal for the body. There's a lot of emissions in that vehicle. And then once the vehicle's finished being used, there's a lot of emissions in, in you know, putting it to bed finally. The recycling, the, the, the disposal. So there's no such thing as a zero-emission vehicle. One of my pet peeves, don't use that term. And that, that picture of the diesel generator charging an electric car is a perfect example of emissions for an electric vehicle. <clears throat> that actually happens now. <laughs> and Robin's ready to jump back in again. 
Yeah, I'm waiting for the page to load. Is that uh, a study? Well, you know, anything electric produces an ozone layer. And so one article is saying that electric vehicles, electric motors, produce twice as much ozone as gasoline or LPG. Yeah, yeah, and and ozone, you know, with sunlight, you know, causes smog. It's one of the components in creating smog, and it's one of the things that we actually measure for summertime pollutants in the Willamette Valley because, you know, wintertime it's mostly about uh, smoke particles. In the summertime, the big issue is ozone. So there you go. Um, yeah, so zero emission is not necessarily a true word. But, you know, getting back to the Invest in America Act. So first, it's overbalanced to mass transit. Second, it's trying to subsidize a particular industry. And then just to top it all off, it has stuff in there that has nothing to do with infrastructure. It's actually got labor law changes buried in the bill. Now, what does an infrastructure bill have to do with, with setting labor laws? Very little other than it just happens to be the labor laws that pertain to freight rail. In a gimme to the freight rail unions, buried in this bill is a requirement for a minimum number of crew on a freight train. Now, mind you, Freight rail has been automated to an extent where they don't need multiple people on the train. Freight union wants there to be multiple people because it makes more union members getting a paycheck. Well, what it ends up doing is slowing down freight rail because they can't always double, you know, get enough crew together to staff trains, and et cetera. So, as we start seeing, you know, we've had enough supply chain interruptions with COVID that we're, you know, I mentioned when we're talking with Mike Pill back there, lumber prices are a perfect example of that, and gasoline prices are partly a perfect example of that. In fact, there was an article in the paper today that they may not be able to continue flying some of the aircraft over our wildfires because of jet fuel shortages. Why are there jet fuel shortages? Because we can't move the product from point A to point B well enough. But we're going to slow freight rail traffic down in this Invest in America bill. So is that job creating the slow freight? No. Is it going to cause inflation? Yes. So we're going to slow freight rail down with this, this labor thing all to just make a, a union happy. But it's in that invest, that's, that's investing in America. Now, just to add to the, the, the labor law stuff, right now, they're not letting trains coming from Mexico reach the, the rail yard just inside Texas by a mile or two without stopping at the border and taking on an American crew. And that that was going to end, and they were going to start allowing those, those Mexican crews actually to get to the rail yard because stopping them at, and waiting for the American crew is causing a traffic jam at the Mexican border of freight. Now, people go, well, what's the problem with that? Well, have you been through the produce department in your grocery store lately and looked at prices? What do you think comes up across that border in freight rail a lot? The produce in your 
grocery store. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, there's there's an impact, but in a gimme to that union, they're going to still require them to stop at the border and switch crews. Now, mind you, if there's not a crew available right away, the train sits there, backs up other trains, blah, 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 and thus, you know, things take longer, which costs more money, and you get price increases. You know, it, it just have to pull up to the gas station, which I did today, and it's amazing how much it costs us to even just put a half a tank in my, my rig. Um, a lot more than it cost last year, about a dollar gallon more. Infrastructure, particularly transportation infrastructure, is about the logistics of moving products. Mass transit doesn't move any products. 165 billion. Not a single product gets moved with that. People, maybe. And where do you think most of that mass transit goes? Into cities which just happen to be mostly blue or democratic. Hmm. So Mayor Pete and uh, Congressman Peter, uh, you can take your electric bus ride, but take the investment, Invest in America Act and go back to the drawing board. Because, you know, we have people dying on our highways, waiting for funding for critical safety improvements like Highway 126 between Eugene and Benita. We have traffic jams every day on Beltline because we're waiting for funding to replace that bridge over the Willamette River. But you guys are so busy being, you know, give backs to, you know, unions, give backs to blue cities and and doing your Green New Deal stuff hidden in the Invest in America Act and promoting EVs and and everything else, that you're just not going to give us a clean infrastructure bill that would actually get through the Senate. But now they're starting to talk about using budget reconciliation reconciliation to move a three and a half trillion of the rest of the stuff that you guys want to do. It's just, if the Republicans were doing this, you'd be screaming like crazy. All right. Well, I'm hearing the music, which is telling me I've gone over time just about. We'll be back next week with another edition of the Bones Nose Show. Although I want to let people know we're going to either reschedule or not do a show on the 28th because we have a conflict that day. But next week we'll be back here, 4 o'clock Pacific time, for another edition of the Bose Nose Show, coming to you live from beautiful downtown Elmira. I want to thank everybody for listening and go on to that Timber Unity Facebook page, figure out how to help them out with the Hay for Hope or the farm, the fire um, support. So thank you very much for listening. Have a great week.